Welcome to Shatter by Rockwell Automation Women in the Field. We're your hosts, Olivia Robertson and Corinne Pellish. Today, Janine Nielsen joins us. We talk with her about speaking up and advocating for yourself, as well as negotiating for your salary. Janine Nielsen was born in Hawaii, but raised in the island of Guam. She's a proud Pacific Islander and embraces her heritage. Janine can be found supporting her island culture and traditions through cultural arts, dance, and music. She's a STEM ambassador and spends time mentoring girls from the islands and California. Janine is also an avid sports fan, and in fact, she fell in love with one. Her husband, John, was a professional football player and continues to work in the industry through his sports and entertainment company. So yes, you could say she's an avid sports fan. She is also a proud mom of permit-yielding 16-year-old daughter, Jaden, and a Fortnite-playing 14-year-old son, JJ. And yes, Janine is her kid's biggest cheerleader as well. She loves Prince and is his number one fan. She was also voted in the past as Pioneer Trailblazer for RA Wi-Fi. Awesome. So we are really excited to have Janine on the show today. Um, I think it's going to be a great overall deep dive, um, really on speaking up and negotiating Uh, salary, which is something that I feel like everyone gets asked or has questions about, or, I mean, it's not something you're, you know how to do when you enter the professional world. So I think this is going to be a a really great topic for our listeners. Yeah. I'm really excited guys. Thank you, Corinne and Olivia. I am so excited to be here um, talking to you both. So dearly beloved, we are gathered here to speak about negotiating for salary for women. <laughs> Deneen, welcome to Shatter. Let's shatter some expectations today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Real quick, before we get too deep into the overall theme for today, just a quick little personal background for you. Like it said, you were you're, you're from Guam, essentially. Mm-hmm. Before COVID really hit, how often were you going back to Guam just to visit? And do you still have family there? I do. I do have family and it, it's dear to my heart. And, and that's the reason why, you know, I talk about, you know, being a STEM ambassador, you know, promoting cultural arts and music. So I do that a lot here in the mainland. They call it the mainland here um, with my children and my, my godchildren and my nieces and nephews. They all dance and sing. Um, so I'm a big supporter and avid audience member in their, you know, in, in their shows. Uh, but I have gone to Guam. Um, probably the last time I've been there was a couple of years. So I haven't been there a lot. It's actually five hours from LA to Hawaii. It's five hours. And then from Hawaii to Guam, it's eight hours. Wow. Yeah. So, and then if you go through Asia, it's like 13 hours to whether it's the Philippines or Japan or Korea, and then you you know, hang lay over there. And then it's three hours from Japan to Guam. So Guam is known as the westernmost territory of the U.S. So it's past the international dateline. So the slogan is where America's day begins because they're, they're already hitting, you know, it's already tomorrow over there. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So I do have family, family there still. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's awesome. And I, you shared a quick story with Olivia and I, right before we began mm-hmm. today about how in Guam, the, the beaches are white and the water is warm. Right. And what was and, your and first? And the water's blue. <laughs> and the water's blue. The water's blue, not dark blue, brown. Right. That's why I'm in the water industry, right? It needs to look like that. That's right. You're like, I know how this starts. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so what was your first take when you made it to LA of, of just the influx of people in the different yeah. surroundings? You know, that's a good question. It was a rude awakening. It's very different, as you guys know, when you go into a city and living there versus visiting. Right. Right. Yes. So, of course, you know, um, we traveled, my family um, and I traveled here to the mainland many times, you know, go to Disneyland. Um, My Mm -hmm. father was an engineer. I followed in his footsteps. And so he had engineer conferences. So and then we have family here, too. So we're here almost every summer. So it was great. You know, you go to Universal Studios and Disneyland and we're here for, you know, several months. But living here is very different. So, um in Guam, it's, it's right, you know, we're right near the equator. So it's 80 degrees all year round. And you guys will laugh because, you know, I didn't know the white stuff that fell from the sky. So there was an interesting <laughs> snow 
and I did it. Luckily, I didn't see snow in California, but uh, Corinne, I know you were in Pennsylvania. The first time I saw snow was when I went to Pennsylvania. I was in wow. Green Tree when I was with Westinghouse, and that was the coldest. And I think it's because, and I, that's when I learned about wind chill. You yeah. know, it's like you can be cold, right? Snow may not be in the ground, but it's the wind chill. So when I was in Pennsylvania and that wind chill just came through my winter coat, I thought I'd look really cute with my new winter coat. Mm. But um, yeah, that, that was the coldest. So the rude awakening was the weather, right? It was the weather. Um, and then um, it's just, everything's happening in the mainland. Everything, right. you know, it's just so much stimulation. So when I do go back to the islands and I can you know, just sit on the beach, it's like, turn off the cell phone and you really yeah. can unplug, That's you know? Great. Yeah. So, but I'm very happy to be here. The, one of the reasons why I had to come here is to pursue my professional career as an engineer. Um, you know, there's no universities in mm. Guam. There, there is a university of Guam, but if you wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer mm. or an engineer, you have to come to the mainland. And that's the reason why um, I moved. Along those same lines, let's explore a little bit of your background. Before Rockwell Automation, you worked with Westinghouse. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you got to your current role? Sure. You know, this is a funny one because I was an electrical, I'm, I'm an electrical engineer. And like I mentioned, my father is an electrical engineer. My, my uh, uncle that I was living with during college is an electrical engineer. I actually started as a biomedical engineer okay. because my grandparents wanted me to be a doctor. So I'm like, ah, I could satisfy both, right? I'm a biomedical engineer. But anyway, um, went, to law, uh, went to Cal State Law Beach, got my electrical degree. And um, right when I graduated, of course, this is my father said, oh, no problem. You're a woman you're a minority, you're going to get a job right out of school, right? Well, what happened, and you guys were probably not even born yet, but this is when aerospace went down. And so all of the aerospace engineers um, didn't have jobs. So I was competing with eng seasoned engineers with two-page resumes. And oh my, my um, you know, my focus was uh, actually infrastructure. Because I was an electrical engineer, I thought, oh, ideally, I'm going to work for City of LA. Mm -hmm. I'm going to work for a utility. Well, as I was lining up on these long lines in the career fair, I'm competing against aerospace engineers. Right. So, um, I, you know, I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to go on any interview. So I went to like four or five in interviews, and there was one interview was Westinghouse Electric. And I said, sure, let me just hone in on my skills in 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 interviewing and it was so funny because it was a sales engineer from Westinghouse Electric and they swell uh, they sell Westinghouse Electric were the ones that made the breakers so they Eaton bought Westinghouse mm -hmm. okay so all the things we know about with Cutler Hammer Eaton that those are Westinghouse circuit breakers okay so a Westinghouse sales engineer interviewed me and here I am ready to go talking about myself um, typical sales and sales engineer. He talked about himself and he talked about Westinghouse. And at the end of the interview, he said, you're perfect. You're perfect. I'm going to send you to Green Tree, Pennsylvania and their training program. So it's similar to how we have our training program for Rockwell. I got recruited by a sales engineer from Westinghouse um, for their young engineers program. So that's how I ended up um, going to Westinghouse just you know, similar to you guys when you went to your for your training program, I went to the Young Engineers program, and they sent me, guess where? Pennsylvania, <laughs> where I saw snow where and deer. Snow? <laughs> <laughs> Rude awakening again. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. That and and then they um, decided to, and, and you know how it is when you guys decide to your assignments. Mm -hmm. You know how funny that is. Don't tell them where you want to go because they won't send you there, right? <laughs> of course, I said I want to be in California. Well, guess what? They sent me to. The, okay, they sent me to the Southeast and they said, you have your choice, Fayetteville, Greenville, Sumter, you know, they all sounded like um, military bases, right, which a right. lot of them are. And they said, Asheville. And I said, I don't know, I'm going to just pick a map, you know, point to it. I ended up in Asheville and lucky for me because it's a, I don't know if you've been to yeah. Asheville, North Carolina, but it's one of the top retirement communities. Right. <laughs> they built more houses there. So they sent me there and that's where they build, it's, it's similar to our Cambridge facility in Canada. That's where they build all their medium voltage equipment. Okay. So I was there for, for several months um, and that was my assignment uh, there. And um, so I know a lot about medium voltage. 
and, and I was also the honorary Biltmore House, you know, tour guide, which was good. <laughs> Extracurricular. <laughs> Extracurricular with the wine. So, yeah, so that, that was my, that was my experience uh, with, with Westinghouse. Great, you know, great company, great culture, um, you know, and I learned, I learned a lot. Right. No, that's, that's incredible. And what a neat journey. And also you, you were so close to me. I've, I've been in Pittsburgh for the past couple of yes. years right around there. Yes, absolutely. So as we shift from Westinghouse to Rockwell and, and now you find yourself primarily in this business development manager role, serving the water wastewater community. Yeah. Um, and you are a North American resource. So how did you find yourself in pivot you know, from Westinghouse to this, this North American wide, really focused um, yeah. initiative leader? Yeah, no, it's a good quite A lot of pivots. There's a lot of pivots. And I can, I, you know, I'll, I'll lay this nugget out there for you guys again is, it's not always linear. It's not, right? Your career is a lattice. When, you know, sometimes you got to look at roles. Your destination, it's not just, okay, straight line to the X. Right. Right. And there's going to be detours. There's going to be pivots. And I'm so uh, fortunate to, to have that career. Very interesting. And I'm sure everyone has, you know, there's going to be stages in your career where is this the right thing to do? Right. right. So just moving on to let me let me pause there, Corinna, and let me tell you why I went to Rockwell, Alan, Alan Bradley at the time, the reason why I went to jump ship. Because again, Westinghouse was a great company. The reason why was when I was in Asheville, a, a spec came across my desk and it said, must be Alan Bradley. And I went, who is this Alan Bradley? Right. <laughs> who, who is this person? <laughs> and, and you know what the reaction was from that team? Don't touch it. Really? Alan Bradley's already sole sourced. We're not going to win it. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? That's, you know, let's pursue it. Let's put everything in it. Let's, you know, I don't know who this Mr. Allen Bradley is, but let's get to it. Right. Great. We've been winning a lot of projects and hands off. And they're like, Nope. Oh. And I was like, I need to know who this Mr. Allen Bradley is. Somebody, yeah. Who is yeah. this? Who Where's is the this? number? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, as I, you know, and I've been with, I was with Eaton, you know, Cutler Westinghouse slash Eaton. And the reason why I keep saying that is, while I was there, Eaton bought Westinghouse. Okay. Okay. So um, Eaton's name, you know, you'll hear it as Cutler Hammer or Eaton. Mm -hmm. They purchased Westinghouse for their circuit breakers. Okay. And that's the reason why Rock Allen Valley had all those circuit breakers in our motor control centers. Gotcha. As a matter okay. of fact, when they bought them, I was in our program and I'm kind of going on a tangent, but I wanted to share this with you. While Westinghouse was out there to be sold, Wow. I, was in, I was in the young, you know, we're all young engineers and we're getting trained and we look back and there was this, you know, guys in suits. And I said, who are those folks? I said, it was Alan Bradley. So they were looking, oh. they were considering a switch gear line, believe it wow. or not, but they didn't and Eaton Bottom. That's why I came, got back, you know, why, why I say Westinghouse Electric, Eaton, Cutler Hammer. But I'm sure some of you, especially Olivia being <laughs> MCCs. Could have wanted to show that. <laughs> We're this close. We're this close getting a switchier line. So, the and that so that was one of the reasons, Corinne, when when we were going against Alan Bradley, it was like hands off, let him let him take it. And who, who is this, right? So, um, and then I remember they after North Carolina after my assignment, nobody wanted to go to California. I wonder why, right? It's expensive, all of that stuff. And during that time, I'll be honest with you. The earthquake happened, the big earthquake right. happened. They were having riots. Right. And so the company's like, if Janine wants to go back home, let her go home, right? So they sent me back here. And I, again, I remember my uncle who worked at the refineries. He worked in uh, Arco and he mentioned Alan Bradley again. I said, I remember them talking about it for media voltage. I said, what, what else are they doing? And he mentioned, he goes, do you know what PLC means? <laughs> I said, no. <laughs> Programmable logic controllers? No, because Eaton doesn't have PLCs. And I said, right. no. and he yeah. said, they are the number one in PLCs. You need to know who they are. So, you know, all of these things kept coming up, right? And so finally, 
I was like, I want to be with the best of the best. So whenever we went against Alan Bradley, they were always hands off. They're the cream of the crop. They're the leader. They're the Cadillac of the industry. I'm like, what am I doing here? I mean, I want to be with the best of the best. Right. So that's the reason why I took the job. Um, so let me just accelerate that to where you, when you asked me about the North America business development manager is a lot of that work I did with Eaton Westinghouse is a lot, has a lot to do with water, wastewater and infrastructure. That's so it's in my blood. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I, that's, that's what my passion is when it comes to bidding and everything. So when I jumped ship, I was actually, um, they, they, and you'll love this, Olivia, they wanted to hire me as an MCC specialist. And I said, that's great. I can do that for six months, (laughs) you know, Um, because in, as you know, with switchgear, you get a whole single line and plans and specs. And in, in Westinghouse Eaton, you, it's $2 million worth of gear and MCCs. Mm-hmm. And when I got hired and they wanted me to be a MCC specialist, they said, okay, see this plans and specs, see this one box, that one little box there. I said, yeah, that's an MCC. That's what you need to quote. So what about all this? <laughs> oh, we don't sell switch gear. I said, okay, how, how are you going to keep me interested for another, you know, I can do this for six months, right? I can't do this for, you know, for the rest of my career, but not understanding the value of an MCC specialist. I mean, and our processes is totally different from what they do in the, you know, in competition. So I get it. You need someone, you know, stable and solid in that MCC role. So instead of being an MCC specialist, uh, they made me an EPC account manager. So called a consultant, yeah. which was interesting as a woman, right? Young p- person of color walking to a consultant and, um, and that's where I, that's where I cut my teeth. That's where I learn all my technical skills because you walk in there and it's all, you know, um, the majority is white male. Right. And they're like, this person wants what an hour of us to teach us about what? Right. Right. So that's where as a woman, you have to be, they, they don't expect anything from you. Right. So you got to be on your game. So when I started spouting off medium voltage and drives and, and MCCs, they're like, they know, she knows what she's talking about. So, you know, that door is open, but they value that. And, and unfortunately, I have to say, I am an electrical engineer. I have to say it. Not, all, not everybody, you know, when you introduce yourself, you know, not a lot of my male associates have to do that, but I had to do that. Right. You know, I am an electrical engineer. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Come in. in. So, right. you know, that's where I cut my teeth. That's where I started. And then as I accelerated my career, I, the majority of my um, career uh, was water, wastewater. Um, so believe it or not, I'm going to hit 25 years this year. Woo-hoo. So the, yeah. So the, yeah, I started, I started with my uh, company tricycle as I went to different clients. <laughs> I'm as old as you guys, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was prime. It's primarily Karen um, water, wastewater and nice. sales. Um, but I can tell you, especially with Rockwell and Alan Bradley, I put some time in for the channel. I don't want to say put some time. It's, I got to know the channel because right. that what's, that's what differentiates us from our competition, right? That is the value of our, of Rockwell and our limited distribution. So I spent some time as a, a, a channel sales engineer and, and I know Corinne, you're going to be doing that or you're going to be doing yes. that. And, and that is, that's the relationship that needs to be successful for, you know, um, when you're in Rockwell. So I spent some time in channel. I did some domain expert as a drive area manager. They call it PCAM before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I took some management um, roles, territory sales manager, water wastewater sales manager. And they're like, let's Let's open up North America. So world domination here after North America, it'll be, global, it'll be global, right? I've been pushing Kelvin. I'm like, we need this to be global. Water is global. Yes. Water is global. Everywhere. And I think the reason from my perspective, at least seeing you move from that water wastewater manager for the West mm-hmm. and then seeing what you did and how you built out teams to focus, because yeah. it's not just any industry. You need to be heavily yeah. focused on the bid and getting it out on time and making sure all the right resources are in place. Right. So with how you leverage that out West, it's a yeah. no brainer. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. 
Why not? And that, and that was a very exciting time. I, I, yes. I can tell you, it wasn't a very, it's one of my career highlights. I mean, double digit growth, you know, yes. for the West and, you know, Karine, you witnessed that. I know Olivia, I spoke to you about that as I mentored you. It, it's so much fun to have a team and we're all in the foxhole collaborating, right? And it's not like, oh, this is my account or this is my APR because as you know, with water, you can have a consultant in Denver, Right. You can have an, an, a municipality in California. The contractor is in Milwaukee. You know, it, you, so you cannot be bounded by, you know, our territories and everything. It has to be North America. So, yeah, that, that was an exciting time for me. Yeah. Seeing as your passion for all of your previous roles in the industry, um, you've stayed in the industry regardless of what role you've taken. What would you say is the best kept secret of the automation industry? Industry's kept secret. Hmm. Well, like I mentioned to you, you know, the reason why I took, you know, jump ship was the Allen Bradley name and it does have some value. Right. And, and I don't know if you guys have witnessed it in the past events like automation fair, or tech ed, or we don't talk call it tech anymore, but you know, the different events that we have, we, we've been so much um, immersed in the rock automation and you'll witness our distributors and customers want that Allen Bradley quality meatball. They yep. still value that, right? That has value. And so when you, that's why I always say rock automation slash Allen Bradley, right? Depending on the generation, <laughs> you know? Um, yep. So we have the largest, I, I can say we have the, the largest market share in the automation and we're making ourselves more relevant, you know, as we become more innovative. Um, I, you know what? I'm going to tell you this. I think the best kept secret, not just for our industry, but I think just for Rockwell, because, you know, as I interview folks or mentor, you know, um, you know young people, and I mentioned 25 years, I've been with Rockwell for 25 years and I'm like, wow, you know, why, right? Not a lot of people stay, um, you know, in the industry or in the company. And, you know, it's really about, because we are a global organization and, we, and, and that's what we are, but we mm -hmm. act like a small company, meaning mm -hmm. you focus on the clients, right? You, um, you can talk to Blake Moret, you know what I mean? It's like, you can, Direct line, call Blake, right? We, right? I remember even direct lines to Keith Nosbush. So we care as a small company, you know, and our extended and our extended relationships with our channel partners help us with that because a customer wants to feel, you know, we talk about customer satisfaction and customer experience. Customer wants to feel um, special. And mm -hmm. sometimes they don't because of a large organizations and their policies, Right. And we do, if you have to operate a large organization, you have to have guidelines, you have to have policies, but we need our customers to feel special. And that's the reason why we have salespeople, you know, to say, okay, here are the guidelines. Well, they're rules, but we call them guidelines in sales, right? And, you know, how can we help and take care of the customer? And that's why you see, Olivia, a lot of, again, I talk about just the following of Alan Bradley. That's the reason why our customers stick with us. Because mm -hmm. they believe in our products, they believe in the or, the company, and they believe, and it's really the people, and you always hear that, oh, it's the people, it's the people. It really is. Because you can always look, look at where our world's going. You know, they, can, they can easily buy, and we do it too, online. Why would we buy it right. from a person, right? Well, because of that value that person brings with the products, or even, you know, just like we talk about the industry, I can say, well, you want to buy that product. That's great for a crane application, but for water, that's not a good application, right? So right. you have all of this, these domain expertise in industries and, and the technical side. We spend a lot of time with that. Rock Automation, Alan Bradley does a, lot, does a great job yeah. of doing that compared to the rest of the competition. So we do. You know, yeah. I, and I've, I actually just recently won a project because one of our competitors completely dropped the ball yeah. when delivering a proposal. It was like, oh yeah, they just threw it at us and ran yeah, away. Like where they throw it over the wall, stuff. right? They throw yeah. it over the wall, yep. right? And, and I'm not saying we're perfect. But no. the, the, but, the but thing no. is, is when we do fail, we care. Right. We care. Right. It's not yep. like, oh, throw it over, like if, you, if we throw it over the wall, then and, and we made that same mistake, we're going to try to do damage control. And, 
you know, I think sometimes I care too much, you know, I mean, that, that's some of the things as a, you know, I, I saw some of the questions as a woman, right? It's sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I should apologize. I should do this and that. And, and some of, you know, our competition or maybe our male associates, sometimes they're like, oh, you know, next Right. right. And so right. on, to the, on next, to the next. Right. But I think that yep. makes us special as saleswomen is because um, and I'm not saying we're so nurturing and everything. I think we care about our company. We care about the client and we want the best for them. Sometimes mm -hmm. we're so focused on that and, you know, not thinking about other stuff. Right. But I, I think that's right. kind of the, how you differentiate that. But yeah. hopefully that answers your yeah. question, Olivia. Yes. This podcast episode brought to you by Rock Automations, PowerFlex 755T drives. The PowerFlex 755T drives are designed to provide harmonic mitigation, regeneration, and common bus solutions that help reduce energy costs, add flexibility, and increase productivity. These are the first drives to offer total force technology, which uses several patented features to help optimize your system. Janine. Thank you for uh, joining us today. I think we're really excited to talk with you all around speaking up and negotiating our salaries. This is a conversation that I think most women in particular love to learn about. It's something at the um, forefront of our minds, you know, as we join any career or move jobs or any of those types of things. Absolutely, yeah. And specifically being um, a minority within um, manufacturing, I think it's something that women struggle with. So this is going to be a really fun topic for us to unpack today. Yes. We wanted to start today's conversation with this quote from Sheryl Sandberg. Uh, and I know you've got a story uh, from your experience reading the Lean In book. From Sheryl Sandberg, just this whole idea of um, explaining that when a, woman's, when a woman speaks up in a professional setting, she really walks a tightrope whether she's barely heard or she's judged as too aggressive. There's just this double standard, it feels, for women. Absolutely. However, when a man says virtually the same thing, heads, heads nod, and there's this level of appreciation for this idea that right. he may have said. Um, so women often decide that saying less is more. What's, what's your immediate um, thought that comes to mind, Janine, when you heal, hear that type of a statement? My immediate thought is speak up. You know, I, I, you're right. As we walk through, you know, our career and, you know, there's different stages, right? As early career, and I've been in the industry over 25 years. Mm -hmm. I have been very fortunate to have male role models. You know, my father being an engineer, most of my managers have been white males, you know, and so I'm attracted to those male traits and I see myself replicated, right? But when I manifest those traits you're absolutely right you know folks see that as being aggressive right i would i would i am walking that tightrope in which you have to be firm you have to mm -hmm. be assertive but be respectful for others and also be graceful when you do it right and and that's that's the balance right, right. because people will perceive it differently but, um, you know, and there are times when you said, you know, saying less means more. There are times you have to do that. And especially in sales, right? In sales, you always, they always say, listen before mm -hmm. you speak, right? You have two ears and one mouth. And so um, there are times where you do have to just listen, say less, you know, and that would speak more, you know, uh, that's, that would, uh, that's speaks loudly. But when you are part of a team and the team is looking for your input and when you're on the table, when, you know, that the whole thing, there's another reference in, in Lean In is about being in the table. You're on the table. You're for a reason because they want to hear your feedback. They want to hear right. your input. So contribute, but be respectful, mm -hmm. believe in yourself, be authentic and genuine about it, but stand firm for what you believe in, you know? So that's what, that's what I feel. When you're at that table, there's a reason for you being in that table. And that's when you have to be vocal. And I think that even ties in with women supporting women, right? Absolutely. If, if there is an aspect of you're sitting at the table, you share a great idea, and then maybe you're not heard or it comes across um, unconventionally, 
make yeah. sure then you're that number one fan of that female. Saying, I, I, hey, I think Janine just shared that idea. Let's go back to her. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's a good thing to gather that community, right? So when you're in that table and I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you a, um, a story. I remember I was at a meeting at a distributor and we were all there. I think I was just one of the managers, territory managers in the meeting. Everyone was there. It was, and there was all male. It, it included salespeople, specialists. And, and we had a, a, a female specialist. And she walked in the meeting room and she was just standing in the wings. You know, and I said, come on in. You know, why are you in the wings? You know, you're, you should be here. You know, so you have to ask those you know, others. And I'm not just saying as another woman, right? But also others, male, female, you know, if you see that, you know, they, they have, there's a reason why they're in the room, but also if you see others in the wings, invite them. Right. You know? Um, and I saw that when she was in the wings and I just said, come on in, sit right next to me. I can also tell you, it's also difficult in a virtual environment, mm -hmm. right? Because, and it's great with Zoom and Teams, you can see each other, but back in the day before we had all this right was conference calls and i can tell you when early the younger janine i would wait for everyone to just say something right and then by the time i wanted to say something conference calls over it's like the last five seconds and you don't hear your voice so i always encourage those if there is a question and again it's it, you have to respect others because you don't want to talk over them and I'm a bad role model. I always just kind of bully myself. And so I'm using Teams now. I, I use the raise the hand. <laughs> so that's a great feature. Great feature. Great feature because I, you know, I, I tend to just speak over people because, um, you know, sometimes when I do have a voice, I just don't know who. Does. It's like who has the stick, right? When you have mm -hmm. that meeting, like who has the stick? And so I would say something, or if I feel like I'm talking over someone, I would say, oh. Corinne, did you have something to say? You know, you know, you kind of just monitor that maybe somebody's trying to interrupt. So I try to um, be respectful, you know, mm -hmm. and say, okay, maybe, you know, here's my voice, but don't, the, I, I guess the lesson there is don't wait for the last second of the conference call. There's a reason why you're in that meeting. And then second, if there are others you feel that has a voice, invite them. Mm -hmm. So I made that story, I shared that story with physical, but also when you're in a virtual meeting, you can... You can kind of, you know, it's much better now with, with what we have, right? You can raise a hand or you can see someone's name, even if their, their picture is not there or video, you can see someone's trying to speak. So monitor that and it's really, truly collaboration. Yeah. yeah. And along those same, that same idea, what would you say to others that are trying to voice their opinions, but they keep getting talked over or they keep getting cut off or we, or what Corinne and I like to call, we kept getting bulldozed. Um, what do you say to those women that are having that, that issue? You know, um, again, be respectful. Uh, I would insert myself, like even, you know, when you're in these meetings, you know, insert yourself and hopefully there's others that will invite you. Um, I can tell you there was one meeting, it just happened oh, last week when I felt like, felt like I was bulldozed and I said, mm -hmm. let me finish my thought, please. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yes, and call it out. You know, but it, I, you know, sometimes you just have to call it out, right? right? Yes. Um, yes. And I, I haven't used that probably once or twice in my career because I think folks have been very respectful and they'll ask, Janine, what you, what's your thoughts? Or someone else would, you know, ask me to be in the table. So it's kind of like pay forward, right? If you're already in the table, you know, see, you know, monitor, be observant for others that want to contribute, but they feel like they're being bulldozed. And if it's you that, that you feel like you're being bulldozed, then I would, you know, that's a trick I use. I was talking, excuse me. <laughs> so no sass, no sass. <laughs> well, because you're also trying to, you're, you're contributing, you're saying your thoughts and ideas and you don't want to be interrupted, right? Or how they say someone is bulldozing you because they want to mansplain what you're saying, right? Another so common theme. <laughs> yeah, for me, my voice, yeah. Yeah, this was my idea. And one, one thing to add on to that, you, great advice. Um, so as we talk through bulldozing, as we talk through inviting 
you know, other individuals to the table. What about, what do you say to the people who may feel dismissed when they do share mm. something? Um, how do we course correct when that yeah. may um, appear to be what's, what's happening? That is a good question. That's also the question later where I think I, I, I asked you guys, we should talk about how you balance yourself. Yes. You know, how you center yourself. And that has happened many times with me. And I could, I'll be honest, I probably didn't handle it that way because I did feel dismissed at the end of a call. And then I'm just ugh, fuming and venting. What, what I did, I'll share with you a story. What I did is what I, I called some of the folks on the call after the call where I, where I felt I was, I felt dismissed or actually that call was someone mansplained it. And then everyone's like, Oh, that's a good idea. You know? So I was like, wait a minute. I just, I just presented that idea. So I felt dismissed or not acknowledged. So mm -hmm. I called the rest of the team, I asked another woman that was on the call and I said, Hey, what'd you think about that? And, and she did it she didn't um, acknowledge it. She didn't, I mean, she was sympathetic, but she said, I didn't think that happened, you know? So what I actually did is I called my manager who was on that call. What's the team's call? And I called my manager and I just said, hey, you know, I didn't appreciate, uh, you know, I was, you know, presenting my idea and then someone else brought up the idea and, uh, you know, they got credit for it or someone, all the rest of the team acknowledged it. And he did it, he did not, he was not aware of it. You know, and so, um, you know, I just, you just got to have that open conversation with your right. manager, but then there's right. times that you're not going to be able to, I mean, that was one, that was one discussion that I was like really fuming, you know, but I'm not going to do that with every time I'm, I'm upset, you know, right. so, I mean, there are times where I'll just breathe, namaste, right? count 10 seconds, I actually would tap you know, I would tap, you know, there's certain, they call it the tapping solution. You like tap your face, or tap, you know, just breathe. And then, you know, it's as, as I've been growing up through this industry, what I learned sometimes is my perspective or may not be the right one. I mean, it's, that's how I feel, but maybe that's not what everyone perceived it. Mm -hmm. You understand? Because when I asked like the other woman in the meeting, she's like, oh, I didn't think it was a big deal. I, mean, I didn't see them dismiss you. So for me, it was personal. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I just have to take that time and go, okay, wait a minute. Let me, you know, let me look within. And then it's really about just, um, you know, maybe it was not, I mean, it's not, maybe it's me, but this is a, a life lesson. This is a coaching moment for myself. How could I have been better in uh, presenting myself? You know, uh, so, so that's, that's a rule of thumb that I would, I would say is, you know, don't take it personally. I would, you know, check with others if you felt, you know, if you want to feel validated, depending on what that call was. But then I also had an open conversation with my, my manager so that he's aware, you know, that there, you know, I have a voice, I do want to contribute. And I just felt like I was dismissed. I really like that idea that you had said about really reflecting on what just happened, taking a moment to understand, okay, should I get offended? Should I not be offended? Maybe take it and go, okay, maybe it's just a matter of informing others of how I, it made me feel when I wasn't justly give that recognition or whatnot. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I've also learned, I've been reading some books and, uh, you know, understanding, and, and guess what? You're going to be on a call. You're going to be in a meeting where people will not agree with you. You, you have to be okay with that. They may not agree with you. They may not acknowledge you. And that's their way of not agreeing with you sometimes, right? So I, I would say it's just reflect that. And, and the, the lesson I learned is sometimes going into meeting and you feel like there is um, a resistance, just assume now that maybe you are wrong. Assume you're wrong. You know, that reflection. Well, maybe I'm not... I'm not approaching it in the right angle, or maybe I need to repackage how I present myself. So that's why, you know, Olivia, you mentioned is reflecting on yourself and, and saying, well, maybe that's something I can do better. And that, mm -hmm. that helps yeah. you throughout your career, right? Because you're going exactly. to be in meetings where people are like, that's a stupid idea, Janine, you know? <laughs> and, and so you got to, you know, self-reflect, maybe, you know, hit in a different angle. And then by the way, you may not get the yes in the first time. We're in sales, you know, repackage it. 
sell it again, sell it again until they say yes the third time. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So shifting gears um, from repackaging, reselling, um, Mm -hmm. letting your voice be heard towards negotiating a salary. Mm -hmm. Oh, the good topic. Yeah, the great topic. Let's get to the meat of it. (laughs) Yes. How do we as women um, leverage that advocacy for ourselves within our personal career mm-hmm. and specifically target that advocacy towards our salary? Can you mm-hmm. talk us through maybe how we would suggest to our listeners? Yeah, I can give you two uh, perspectives. One is an employee and one is a manager. So as an employee, and again, as my younger self, and, and I share, and I know I share this with a lot of uh, the, the, the generation, I would say the millennials, <laughs> where um, I would ask them about, you know, the things they've done. And, and, and um, I remember approaching my, my manager for a raise one time, and, and they, they would say, well, what, what have you done? And, and I said, why do I need to tell you that? You, you see it. So just give me my race, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, why do I have to spell it out? And I know uh, I have others that, that mention, it. it's like, well, I, you already see it. So why should I, you know, state that, you know, every time in an annual review, just give me what you feel that I deserve. And that's my younger self, right? And I remember one time when I had an, um, a colleague of mine, same level, same role, same boss, and I was performing. You saw the numbers, you saw the orders coming in. And I remember my manager would say, well, why can't you be like, and I'll just say John Doe, why can't you be like him? Every, every time he has an order, he comes in and tells me about it. And I said, well, you already see the orders coming in from me. Why do I need to, you know, herald it with a trumpet every time I get an order? I, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm not a bragger, you know, that's not me. You know, you just see my results. And, and he said, I, you know, you're right, but it's just, it, you know, I just wanted, you know, it's always good to, to promote yourself. And for me, I was very shy at the time. I said, my promotion is my numbers. That's what you see. And so that's, that's the perspective as a young employee. As a manager, okay, now as I look back, I agree with my manager because as a woman, your competition, if I had a bucket of merit dollars at the end of the year and i have and i'm going to give it to my team but there's certain percentage i will tell you this your competition is your other colleagues and a lot of your male colleagues do this is they come in herald their trumpet state every order with a list they come in with a list of all everything they've done professionally personally (laughs) uh and and they state why and they build a business case of why they should get the raise. And I've had, and I had to coach my other um, female employees that your male colleagues do that. And so you, when you walk in, like what I did in my younger self and said, hey, you see my, my results, just, just give it to me. You just, you know, I deserve right. it. You have to compete with your, with your other colleagues on that point, right? And of course, managers know Good, really good managers know what you do, but you have to self-promote mm-hmm. because they may not know, hey, by the way, Corinne and Olivia do great stuff in RA Wi-Fi or, or Janine did something in STEM, you know, to help right. rock automation. You know, they may not know all the extracurricular activities. They may not know the, the, the different projects that are not listed in your PADR. So that's the time for you to summarize it and then share that with them because right. your managers are not going to have that whole tally, you know, by the end of the year, you know? So right. I would always say self-promote because yeah. that's your competition. Yes. And to add on to that, I, I received really good advice on write it down in the moment, because mm-hmm. if you do wait till, you know, your annual review or when yes. you're going after your next career um, internally or externally to where you're at, yeah. you'll have forgotten about that three month project that you did or mm-hmm. um, the, you know, uh, planning event that you were on or the presentation yeah. you had to give, you'll, you'll forget it. I mean, it's just human nature. So that write it down so when you're in it, that way you can look back to that sticky note and say, 
oh, I can leverage leadership skills in these three areas. No brainer. Right. 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 I mean, that's such a good rule of thumb. I, let me, let me give you some pieces of uh, just some nuggets. It's just that one have, when you walk in, have that list of uh, all the different activities you do above and beyond your job. And so that process, Corinne, is accumulate that through, you know, the year, right? So when you, so the rule of thumb is one, the first nugget is walk in prepared with that list. I can tell you, they may go, what, what is that? What does she have in her, what does she have in her hands? Because they would be impressed. Like, oh, she prepared for this, right? Not just the PADR and the things we got to do on SAP and all of that, but she, she's serious. So that's one nugget. The second one, to your point, Corinne, don't wait till the annual review. Yep. I'll definitely acknowledge and make a tally, but also um, promote yourself within the year. You know, so so it's kind of like uh, don't wait till the to your annual PDR to to negotiate for a raise. Do it in an off cycle. Do it quarterly. You know, and that's the thing that the, I shared with that story with you. You know, you don't have to walk into your boss's office every day and say, "Guess what? I got this order," but self promote yourself. So then. In his mind, as he or she has merit number or, or he, they have a bucket of dollars <laughs> to give, it, it can happen within, you know, the year. It may not happen at the, you know, at the end of the year. And so he or she's thinking, oh, Corinna and Olivia did this. Well, maybe that's something that, you know, you know I should definitely um, incentivize them on. And, and also, so, so that's the second nugget. Do it, do it frequently. And off cycle. Don't don't wait till annual the annual year. Because here's the other thing, they may have the, the bucket of dollars may be gone, right? But maybe in six months or maybe in the next quarter, there may be some funding that may be out there. You may you may not know that cadence, and so they already have it in their mind that okay, well maybe I didn't have enough merit dollars to give to Olivia and Corinne, but now I have. I'm thinking about you know the next quarter. Yeah. And that's something also that we should be very aware of, like you said, our cycle internally, but also say, for example, right now, we being in COVID, our company does not have a lot of wiggle room for our salaries and things like that. Absolutely. So being able to even take some um, a step towards talking with your manager about forecasting for the future raises and being able to say, you know, I know we can't do it now, but can I at least get some sort of, um, can we negotiate for something in the future? So when money does get freed up, I do have that ability to maybe get compensated a little bit more saying your manager agrees. Right. And I would add to that, Olivia, is let's talk about the future. Can we check in in six months? Yes. Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. Be, be tangible, uh, tangible about it, right? It's mm -hmm. okay. Let's, let's talk in six months then. If you're not able to, you know, give me some, uh, understand it's tight, um, but if, if we can check in in six months, you know, can we do that? Yeah, and, and to flip it too, if there are other managers out there that are having issues with having this conversation with their employees, having the ability to say, hey, I want to see more, let's look, let's look at you in another six months, exactly, and saying, right. okay, right. let's talk about what you did in that six months. Does it warrant you a raise? So, yeah. No, and that's a good point because maybe there's other responsibilities, other projects that they're looking at, and now they're thinking, oh, well, maybe Corinne and Olivia is interested in adding responsibilities as long as they're comfortable with the bandwidth, but that, that builds your case for a race, exactly. right? There's always, I'm going to tell you the third nugget, there's always room for negotiation. There's always room for negotiation. They expect that, especially in sales. Yeah, so along that along those lines with negotiations, though, we kind of tweak the question a little bit. Now, since talking about since we're talking about negotiating in your current role, what about negotiations when you are looking for a new opportunity or a new role? Can you give us a few pointers there? Sure, within the organization or outside the organization? Either. Either and any. So I would say if you're looking, first of all, I mean definitely those nuggets are good that you can still use. Um, when you're looking at different roles, uh, find out the bandwidth and the salary of that role. Be prepared 
uh, for the, the, the actual salary and number discussion now, right? Um, and I would say, have them start out with what that salary range is. Don't shoot out what you think the salary is because you might cut yourself short. Let them start with the number to, to discuss the, the negotiation. Do you understand what I'm saying? So be yes, prepared. And that's one of the most difficult things, I think. Yeah. Um, because like you said, we might cut ourselves short and shoot ourselves in the foot by saying, oh, rule of thumb, I think it's, you know, 10% yeah. above what I'm earning now. Right. When in reality, we should pause, you know, to your point earlier, two years, one mouth, yep. pause. What do you think this role is worth? Yeah. Right. And you posted it. What's the salary range? What's yeah. the career ban? Yes. Right. And then you can also do, of course, you can go online and, and look at, at whether it's internal, external, um, external roles. You can see the value of what that salary is in other companies, but you can also speak to folks that are in that role. And, you know, I mean, and for me, I don't talk about salary. I can tell you, I, my parents don't even know how much I make, <laughs> you know, I don't talk about that. I know I've been surprised when I've mentored sales trainees and they're like, oh, let me ask my, my class, you know, how much they make. And I went, really? <laughs> so it just depends on how uh, your relationship and how open uh, that person is, but you can at least get a range, you know. Absolutely. And I think being comfortable with talking about our salary, it's, it's very uncomfortable. But if you do have that solid relationship with an individual, why not? Right. How, do we, how do we better metric ourselves? Because we can think we're making, you know, we're being fairly compensated for our work. Sure. And then I find out uh, a counterpart who's been in the same role for the same amount of time uh, and maybe not taking on quite as much responsibility, maybe mm. making more. Mm. It's like, wait a second. That gives you some ammunition then to say, where am I in the, right. in the band? How right. do I have this conversation better? How can we look at what I've done in building my brand to then better come prepared for that salary discussion? Right. right. And, and let me, let me, I'm going to throw out something provocative here. And since it's the shatter podcast. Oh no. Here okay, we go. Yourself. <laughs> when you have that conversation, think about this, especially now, current times, some management will think, well, there's a two salary household. If you share with them that I'm the breadwinner in my household and I'm helping my husband go through um, school, that's an interesting perspective. And, and, and that's the reason why it's provocative because we don't really like to share that. Well, oh, I'm the breadwinner or, you know, there's not really a two salary household. It's just one salary and it's, we're really you know, um, or I'm a single mom, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of taboo to share that. But if you have that relationship with your manager and, and you're comfortable with your manager, you know, that is a perspective now, right? It's, if you're the only one bringing, you know, you know, bringing the paycheck because you're helping your husband through school or a single mom, they think about that management think about that like oh okay well let's make you know let's make sure that if 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 um the employee is uh you know performing uh wants to accept more responsibilities comfortable with the bandwidth let's give it to her right so it's 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 a, a very vulnerable discussion but i can tell you that if you have if you're comfortable with your manager that it, that does take a different um, uh, angle to look at when it's, okay, who, you know, who, who should we give the merit dollars to, right? Or who, who deserves the raise? Especially if you are a single mom and you still want more responsibilities and you have a strong support system, go for it. You deserve it, you know? But yeah, that's something provocative that you, you know, sometimes you don't talk about that. Right. And I love that you brought that up because it is it's so critical to change traditional gender norms, right? right? And you talk about the pay gap and mm -hmm. how do we empower women to not view that as a detriment, right? But a, an empowering statement. Hey, manager, there, there's some room for growth here possibly. And here's, here's why I'm where I'm at. Right. That's, 
that's a vulnerable conversation, but it can be equally as empowering. Yes. Yes. I, I can, I'll share with you as a manager, I did that exercise. I was with HR and I looked because half of my team was female and, you know, they, HR gave me this plot and I'm like, if, and I told them, if there are any outliers, said, especially women, you know, when we were all talking about the, the, the pay gap, I said, we have to make it right. And, and we did do the exercise with HR, right? Uh, so that was, that was a good exercise. I don't know if other managers did it, um, but I knew, especially when that was, when I was a manager and I had, my team was, were female and, and I know they, they worked their butts off and, and, I, and they plotted, you know, the, the salary range. I said, nope, let's fix it. So that's a responsibility for managers to do. You know, and I hope all managers do that exercise and see that. I mean, and of course, it's because of their merit, not because of their woman, right? Not because right, of their gender right. and everything. It's because of their merit and they deserve it. No, that's that's a crucial piece because I think often that is misconveyed or misperceived. Um, right. That it's because uh, an individual is a female or a minority that they that's may right. be receiving quote unquote, different compensation. And that is, that should never be the case, right? It is on someone's um, merit and what are they bringing through? Are they doing their job? Are they tackling more than right. just their, their uh, job credentials? Right. And I, I, you know, companies are doing that appropriately. Um, I wanted to share a quick note on, I had a recent conversation with my manager last December on where I was at within career bands and it was terrifying, but it, it opened it up for where am I? And then it, it became a, mm -hmm. oh, I'm not sure I'm, I'm happy with where I am with the, with the workload I have and with the accounts I cover. Let's open up the dialogue for uh, an increase here. And within two months, I had an increase. So awesome. it, it was vulnerable, it was uncomfortable, but it, it got me closer to where I wanted to be. Corinne, why was it terrifying? Yeah. What was the fear? I think it goes back to being an advocate for yourself. Mm. That's you know, how, right? Yes. You know, you don't right. like you were talking about the trumpet. You don't, you don't talk about the successes you've had in the same light as you talk about the failures mm. you've had. I think women are notoriously tough on ourselves for, um, yeah, I didn't do that perfect or I didn't get the MCC order. I only got, you yeah. know, this solution yeah. versus heck mm -hmm. no. I did a lot here. You know, it was a team effort, but I, mm. I spearheaded it and I should be, um, you know, viewed differently because of that success, but it, it was tough. Wow. You're so right. Yeah. Sometimes you think about why, what is the fear? The fear mm -hmm. is they could say no. Right. Yeah. But okay. We're in sales. <laughs> you know, we're used right. to that, but you're, yeah. you're absolutely right, Corinne. And, and I, when I just paused and thought about what you just said is we're just so notoriously hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Not about the order we didn't get, but look at all the great stuff that Corinne did do. That's right. what you have to focus mm -hmm. on. And you have to self-promote. You have to. You have to be an advocate for yourself. Right. So I guess reframing this in a little bit of a different okay. way. Um, so I can speak about this a little bit more personally, too, is that I was a younger employee coming into a group where there are a lot of seasoned um, employees where they were, they'd been in the role for 10 to 20 years kind of thing. And I know we understand that there's going to be a pay gap because of experience, but what do you think about getting yourself to at least the right proportion of your salary as your counterparts? What do you, you know? That, that's a good, good point. I actually went outside and I did a lot of research, do a lot of research. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I remember uh, one of, one of the managers, I, I, I was, I was the one that's trying to get a raise. And I, I remember I said, it's, it's uh, another manager said, well, how do you know? How do you know that's, you know, your range? Oh, and of course it was during the time right. where we make 75 cents, you know, for every dollar a man does, right? I mean, that was that, that time. So I was just, you know, ready to charge a protest. And I remember one of the, the my male colleagues said, well, how do you know? You know, of course I, I didn't ask him how he, you know, what he made, but I went and I, and I, went externally, went online, I asked around, I asked, you know, I have folks in other companies, you know, I have a support system, I have a committee that's internal Rockwell and also external Rockwell, where I would ask them, you know, yeah. what's your, what's the value, right? What, what do you think for my role? You know, what, what's, you know, what do you, what, 
is that salary range. Yeah. And that's so important to have that information for the industry as well as for your places you live, because that's going to vary so much across the country. Yeah, the demographics, experience, you know, all of that. I can tell you, as I was doing my research, and some of the companies were our competition. And so they thought I was looking for a job, you know. So I went back to my manager and I said, well, you know, this is the value that I've that I've researched and I was really, and I was just, you know, I, I really wanted to get the order. And, and then, uh, you know, they, I, of course they, you know, I said, you know, the other organizations, other companies will pay this. And actually they gave it to me because I did that. So. Well, Deneen, thank you so much for all of this, the, all are your nuggets done? and your are insights. We yes, we are. Yeah. You're yeah. just going to have to come back. Too much just... We have to have a part two. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I hope I hope I gave you all a lot of nuggets. Yes, you did. And, and the listeners. <laughs> yes, you did. This will be a fantastic episode for our listeners. We're really looking forward to it. But thank you for your time. I know we're in three different time zones between us three. So fantastic. Yes. And thank you, Janine, once again for joining us. Sorry to have to wrap that up really quickly on you. But until next time, we'll talk to you all later.